You're listening to Making a Druid, a Nancy Drew podcast. Welcome, my Druids, to another episode of Making a Druid, where we will turn everyone into a Druid slowly but steadily, as is our goal. Hi, I am Teresa, and I am here joined by Allie, like always, and we have a very special guest with us, the lovely, the wonderful Melissa. Oh, thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you, like you don't even have any idea, like another person, (laughs) another brain to pick at. (laughs) It won't just be the two of us babbling for an hour anymore. (laughs) Now we have Melissa. (laughs) She can bring some sense to the conversation, you know. Or just babble along with you. It's fine. I it wh- whatever pleases you. What whatever. Either you- way, it will bring some some uh, adventure, some spice into the conversation. It will. She might have vastly different opinions of scenes and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> so on this episode, we're going to talk about uh, episode five, the case of the Wayward Spirit. Uh, which oh. I was really excited about because I'm a horror fanatic. I, unlike many people, love the paranormal supernatural horror. I know a lot of people hate that. Uh-huh. I don't mind it. <laughs> I blame my Catholicism. I feel very protected. Um, not that I practice that much anymore, but well, I like, did grow up. I, I've never really cared for it, but I, I enjoy it in Nancy Drew. Although I will admit in season two, it gets really supernatural heavy and a part of me missed. And it was a breath of fresh air in season two when you had an episode that wasn't supernatural. And I don't, I won't say any more about season two, but. <laughs> Getting ahead of ourselves. I know. I'm sorry. One yet. I'm sorry. Okay. I'll stop. Go. Well, in rewatching <laughs> season one, I kind of forgot how supernatural it was. Yeah, I I don't know. I guess I just watching season two and it was so supernatural. I thought was super season one like this and it was. But anyways, we can't spoil anymore because <laughs> Teresa, <laughs> Teresa is trying really, really hard <laughs> to not spoil I am, herself. And it's difficult. Like it's like. I'm pretty that sure she's muted of everyone of that one guy dodging everything. Like I think he's playing. I think it's a ball and he's just like moving. And I'm just like, that's me. <laughs> oh, I, I really do think she's muted me at this point, like on Twitter. So she, <laughs> I mean, I feel like she's got to mute me too. Cause I was like live tweeting every single episode. Yeah. I tried to just scroll through those. Like don't, if I see like the hashtag, I just don't read them. It's smart. Or mute the hashtag. You can mute the hashtag. I told her though, once she's done with season two and we catch up and we become just an after show or whatever, that we'll, we'll add her to our Nancy Drew group chat. Oh, yay. I'm so excited. So, yes, today we are covering the case of the wayward spirit, keeper of the count. What are our counts today? So we are still at one body that has been deaded. Poor Tiffany Hudson. She's all by her lonesome. That's good. I change. have a feeling that will change <laughs> very, very soon, um, simply because we are on episode five and I have been promised murder and no murder has really occurred. <laughs> um, sorry, Tiffany Hudson. There will be multiple dead bodies by the end Drop- of season one. Okay, they're they're gonna be dropping like flies. Exactly what I signed up for. Perfect. Multiple. Um, I can name them right now. I won't because <laughs> that would be terrible. I- but. 
Okay, I have a death prediction that I think I will say for later, like a different episode once we get closer to when I think the death will occur. So, uh, all right. So we have one dead body. One dead body. We have three lovely ghosts. We got Tiffany Hudson, who has uh, possessed our lovely George. We have Lucy Sable, who has been haunting pretty much everyone. Uh, Gotta love Lucy. Um, and then we have our lovely Rita, who made a, a very ghostly guest appearance to remind George that ghosts exist. Um, I love that Nancy thinks she's like super special because Lucy's haunting her, and it's like, girl, <laughs> if only <laughs> you have no idea. Although, if you ask Ace, the town ghost storyteller, then Lucy haunts everyone, right? Yes, so. uh, absolutely. And then we have. I believe up to nine ghostly sightings, which will um, increase exponentially. I have a feeling, uh, given that there's possession now. So <laughs> I think yeah. we really hit uh, an upward hill right here. We're just going to keep climbing up, you know? Yeah. It, it's one of those things where, you know, in the first episode, we have one, right? And it's Lucy at the very end. And then by the end of season two, the chart looks different. Like the the axes have to change. <laughs> like you can't count. You can't count by one anymore. <laughs> You're gonna have to count by like 10, 20. You know, it only we'll, gets we'll, we'll make it work. <laughs> we will. So those are our counts. Just to recap what happened in the last episode. Um, like she said, Tiffany is dead. She's been dead for a little while. It wasn't very interesting at first, but then it got interesting, right? Because now we have a personal connection to her death through uh, the lovely Nick, Ned Nickerson. Nancy thinks that her death was faked. Her autopsy was faked. I should say not her death. She's definitely dead. I promise. Her R-I-P. autopsy. <laughs> She's, she thinks her autopsy's faked. It came back completely normal. It was done by the Hudson family. Ryan, specifically her husband, had it ordered and Carson is currently working for Ryan. And so he had a copy of the report and Nancy noticed that it was incorrect. And she told her dad, I know it's not right because there's supposed to be a needle mark behind his uh, behind her ear where I took a sample of blood. And Carson was like, what? So she is dead. We know that her autopsy has been faked. So we have yet to see the results of a genuine autopsy, although we do know that Nancy sent off some of her blood to that forensic chemist that she happened to have in her back pocket. So, uh, and at the end of last episode, Carson basically told the media that he felt like the autopsy report was incorrect or that yes, it was he rushed. Did. Yes. A redeeming, redeeming quality of him. He, he does did. Feel guilty. Uh, And I put that actually in the episode description for last episode, Carson struggling with his new gig as Ryan's dude, while also attempting to show Nancy that his morals mean more to him than paying the bills. So he did let everybody know that he thought that was fake. Laura Tandy is in town as of last episode and she made a splash. What a hot, hot tornado. That's a great way to describe her. She's a she's definitely a, she's a tornado in heels. She, she is, is she is Tiffany's sister, and she came to town last episode. Basically, 
just threw everything out there to the world and said her sister was murdered and that she planned to prove it. And while she did that also simultaneously threw Ace under the bus because she and Ace have a history. So this is really the beginning of where we find out more about Ace. Yes. And I know you really like Laura. I find that unforgivable. (laughs) (laughs) Do you not like her? She's fine. (laughs) So I don't know that I like, okay. I like, (sighs) okay. So I like her in a way that she shakes things up. She reminds me, she has a lot in common and and don't shoot me for saying this, but she has a lot in common with Nancy. Mm -hmm. I I recognize those commonalities. I still prefer Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yes, I also obviously prefer Nancy, but I like that Laura came in and she was an unknown element, right? And she shook things up and she's not scared to say what she's thinking. The difference between her and Nancy is, you know, they're both combative, right? They both get straight to the point. They, you know, that sort of thing. The difference is Laura is unafraid of throwing other people to the wolves to do it or manipulating or using other people. Whereas, you know, Nancy, there's a little bit of manipulation there, but not to the same extent. Yeah, and she feels guilt afterwards. I don't think Laura carries no that much shame. No, sweetie. I, I don't think it fits in her designer bag, you know? <laughs> well, and I think and I think Nancy thinks through all of those decisions before throwing somebody under the bus. Laura yes. just kind of does it, but I'm also on Allie's side. I was watching it and I was like, I miss her as a character. <laughs> like I just <laughs> well, love that's her more. a spoiler. Shh. <laughs> there is no, not really, because as I mentioned before. Laura's on my death watch list. <laughs> well, we're we're not gonna talk about that. She's yet, she's one of the people where I was like, I predict her death as soon as, and I'll mention it in my Maybe my we should have a death watch as part of the prediction. We should, we should have a death oh, watch. Oh, maybe we should. There's that two people fun. on it right now on my list. Laura, okay. Candy, and then Owen. Gosh, but, come on. Wait till prediction. Wow. <laughs> yeah. They're both on my there's something about them. I'm like, they're not gonna make it. They're not gonna like make throwing it. everybody under the bus here. I are you Laura? Are you Laura? That's why she doesn't Maybe like I her. am. That's why she doesn't like her. She sees too much of herself in Laura and it makes her uncomfortable. <laughs> See, I'm becoming a I'm a I'm becoming a psychiatrist or like you, Teresa, right? Psychology. I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> All right. So Laura is in town. She did play her 911 call, uh, Tiffany's 911 call at her funeral. And that was not cool. Nick uh, saw a video of Laura in his house at the end of this episode, this last episode of her getting the box that the bearer bonds were found in, removing the bottom and finding what looks to be a flash drive. So this is also our first hint of Laura is not just in town to get justice for her sister, but she also seems to have another agenda, which I feel like everybody on the show has another agenda, but that's beside the point. And then lastly, (laughs) the very last scene, we see George who forgot the mirror. God damn it, George. We had one job. You had one job, Bren one job and you failed like nancy should have done nancy should have done the ring mirror thing i don't know who thought it was a good idea for george to do it but they were wrong george thought it was a good idea (laughs) it was one job with two steps 
(laughs) I guess, I guess she should buy a notebook so she can write down all the stuff. They made fun of me. Everyone on the show needs a notebook. (laughs) They made fun of me earlier. I just need you guys to know because I take notes, copious notes. I don't believe in brevity. Brevity is not food for the soul. And I have an old fashioned notebook with a little built-in bookmark and a pen. And I, I, I enjoy it. It makes me feel like I'm Nancy Drew. So that's what happened in the previous episode. That is our recap. And now we'll go into the next episode. We open up on episode five, The Case of the Wayward Spirit, with a really creepy scene of George, who at the end of last episode we know was possessed by Tiffany Hudson. And I put in my notes, George, in quotation marks, because it's not actually George. But she breaks into Ryan's house and basically cuts George's finger and writes on the mirror, I know, which is very reminiscent of, I know what you did last summer. Did anybody else feel that? Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I know you said it was a really creepy scene and I agree, but the whole scene I loved from like beginning to end, the music really made it for me. It was like, they have excellent musical uh, selections for, for a lot of these episodes, but the thing that really got to me was like, what I know, I can't remember which episode it was my prediction. It might have been episode two where I predicted George was going to be important because of her connection to Ryan. I feel vindicated in this episode. Vindication. Uh, <laughs> it did not go the way I pictured it in my mind. Possession was not part of the equation when I first made that prediction. But I knew that they were going to use George as a way to get into Ryan's house and like do stuff to creep Ryan out. And I was just like, it well, and even. And even with how creepy of a scene this was, I wrote in my notes, the beauty of Leah Lewis, because she just like, when she walked in, I was like, you can tell that wasn't George. Like, yeah, Leah just did such an amazing job with that scene and like changing her dynamic to be Tiffany. Leah is very, very talented at being possessed. And (laughs) And that's all I'll say. (laughs) until a later date she was kind of in the background like we really didn't get to see her shine this episode was really Leah's episode and I really liked that and that kind of happened with Kennedy we talked about in the beginning where you didn't realize the acting chops on Kennedy until you realized that all of her acting had been intentional Mm -hmm. and she's been since been since then she's been given a lot to work with but you're right uh, up until this point, Leah hasn't really had a lot to work with. So they really challenge her over the next two seasons and she she really rises to it. She does a great job. So, and that's the cold open for this episode. After that is our opening. And I feel like this is one of the very few cold opens where Nancy's not involved in some way, whether it's Nancy or her voiceover. After the opening is when we get the Nancy voiceover, who is, uh, we call her Nancy narrator. She's our favorite character. <laughs> we we love the Nancy narrator and Nancy narrator. Uh, and I left this out of the recap. My bad guys. She's looking at the pic of Lucy with Karen. So that happened at the end of last episode too. She went to Keene high school and Lucy led her to a picture of her with Karen. So she's looking at the picture of Lucy and Karen and she's just 
reminiscing to herself that she thinks Lucy wanted her to find this picture and she is going to have to talk to Karen, which is probably the last thing Nancy wants to do right now. I don't think she's Karen's biggest fan, so to speak. I don't think she trusts Karen, which I personally believe is probably a smart decision on her part. Yeah, I was never a Karen fan. She she always just felt like I always just felt like she was hiding something. Even the first time I watched the show, we'll have to see how that pans out. Yeah. And you all know how I feel. I've said this for the last several episodes. I don't like Karen. Karen, who is she? I we, don't know her. Creepy Karen. We call creepy, her creepy Karen. Because she always seems to be there following Nancy out of some like what she says is supposed to be like support system or whatever, but it, it's it's weird. It makes but it sound then, like it's concern. And I was like, no, I think you're just dumb and following someone who's smarter than you that's going to figure it out. I just. It's, I, she does figure it out every single time. So then it cuts over to the claw and a variety of things have happened. We learned that Lisbeth has written to Bess several times and Bess has not responded. And she seems to be very nervous at the prospect of responding. And they're all just chatting or and think about the this and of several things when Owen Marvin walks in, which Teresa mentioned Owen earlier. <laughs> this is actually the first time we see Owen. This is his introduction to Nancy Drew. His last name is Marvin, which means that he is possibly related to. You can answer it, <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> Melissa's like, can I answer it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> you can just pop in anytime, anytime you'd like to. Uh, we give our guests a lot of leeway, even though you're our first guest and we don't really have a lot of experience with them. You can pop in whenever you'd like to. So Owen Marvin walks in, really charming, very attractive. He says that he needs a caterer for a party and... George is very thrilled to have a catering gig. I imagine so, considering I don't think they've had a lot of business at the claw ever since they had a murder in their parking lot. And the Owen has this one line that really cracked me up that Ace Ace points out that it's going to be an interesting decision to have them cater the party when that's the place where Tiffany had her last meal. And Owen's <laughs> like, well, you were pretty much last on my list. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I did I did laugh I there's a lot of ace lines that are full of irony that I just think are great one-liners this is definitely one of them and I kept thinking from the minute of his introduction I was like who is Owen Owen's going to be important and I I know that um I don't think we find out he's a Marvin right away right am I remembering that correctly we find out later. right we don't find out to the party Mm-hmm. Oh, my bad. I Wait, skipped ahead. Or Nancy doesn't find out to the party. Yeah, Nancy's no. not in this scene. We find out he's a so, Marvin in this scene, don't we? Yeah. Nancy remember. just doesn't find out. Nancy doesn't know. I was like, someone doesn't okay. know. Okay. But and I always say on a CW show, especially, if someone you don't know who is new walks into the scene and they have a line of any sort, it either means that they are going to be a multi-episode arc guest star or they're going to end up being a murderer or a more murder victim. <laughs> that is true. I, I mean, if they have a line, like it's, it's one of those three things. And the fact that 
Owen is more attractive speaks to and that he's a Marvin speaks to that he's going to be in multiple episodes. So that scene Owen ends is hot. With, yes. <laughs> yeah, he is. He he's very attractive and can't blame Nancy for playing into that whole like oh, he's hot kind of thing cuz he is hot. And uh well, and that when you scene, compare his like outfit to what like Ryan would wear because we know both of them are pretty rich like Ryan really flaunts it and Owen when he walks in you wouldn't know he's a Marvin based off what he what the clothes yeah, that he he's wearing. in like the white t-shirt right in the very beginning yes. yeah. yeah and he has his hands I wrote hands on his hips he does this like weird like shuffle to the side and put his hands on his hip and I was like <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> no he he does and I think that again we talk a lot about intentionality um on here and I think that was intentional on behalf of the showrunners to have him dressed that way and to introduce him as a Marvin because immediately that takes you back right you're like oh he doesn't really come across as like a Ryan or like someone who's wealthier summers in (laughs) Horseshoe Bay yeah and I think and I I couldn't help but think of like how Bass is intentionally dressing richer because she's a Marvin pretending to be a Marvin, right? And I, I can't help but like wonder if the Marvins are such a like a chill kind of wealthy or if it's just an Owen thing where it's like if Bess would actually fit into the Marvins because she wants to show off her wealth because she didn't have any growing up versus the Marvins who maybe aren't like that. Maybe they're chiller about their wealth. I don't know. Owen's really the only Marvin we really got to get to see and kind of explore so well, far. We see one more Marvin in this in, yeah. in last episode, right? We, yeah, when but, we saw the matriarch. The matriarch of the Marvins, but, it was but she was at a funeral and it was brief. And so like, yeah. I, I don't take that as like getting to know you. We, we will meet more like, Marvins. Good. Okay. That was going to be we my will. next question. Yeah. We will meet more Marvins, just like we will meet more Hudsons. Can we not <laughs> we'll meet the more Hudsons? I think I've had enough oh, of the Hudsons. Oh, sweetie. I, I got the vibe. I don't like it. We meet a really, really, really interesting Hudson at the end of season two. Just wait for it. So, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's a Hudson. Oh, and it's a female. Sorry, she Spoiler. might be my okay. favorite Hudson. Yeah, she she's shaping up to be uh, interesting. Bo show. She's gonna come in and shake some things up, just like Laura did, but on a much more epic scale. So, anyways, George. The scene ends. George gets a call from Ryan, who is freaked out. Obviously, he woke up and saw I know on his mirror, and because he's wealthy, he has cameras in his house, and he sees that it's George. So, he texts George, freaked out, and that's the end of the scene. George leaves. Was it cameras, or was he? Did he just know that it was the keypad? Oh, I think it was yeah, that's right. Because- Melissa, thank you. That's why you're here. Because I was like, Nancy didn't get caught. If there were cameras everywhere, they would Nancy would have gotten caught. <laughs> or he could have put cameras in after Nancy broke into his house. But no, it was the keypad. Uh, he said that someone broke into it's a later scene. I wrote it down. He someone broke into his house, and the only person that has that code were is George and of course Tiffany, who is no longer alive. R.I.P. Tiffany. RIP, we love you. Anyways, so Nancy, Nancy is absent for that whole scene though, because she is on her way to the police office to see Karen. And when she gets there, she is banned from entering the station. And she has this cute line where she tells the side character cop dude, remember how I found your grandma's lost jewelry collection? And I just love the little lines like that because 
it really shows you how many of these mysteries she's done even when she was really young and she was a kid and she was solving mysteries or whatever and I have to just think like how many people in this town owe her favors I think everyone I I mean a forensic chemist (laughs) I just think about it Horseshoe Bay is really small Nancy's clearly the smartest person there by far it seems like I think the only person that comes close is Ace, and we still aren't fully exploring that just yet. And so I'm just like, yeah, we still everyone have a lot owes of Nancy a favor, every single human in that place. Yeah. And he like makes this comment of how she's been using that since the seventh grade. So I'm like, how many times does she use these favors over and over again to get what she wants? I, I admire her for her persistence. I do too. <laughs> Apparently, she doesn't know what clearing a ledger means. I have to say, or how many times did he lose his grandmother's jewelry collection? Maybe multiple. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, he stops her from entering, and as she's standing there, before he can respond to her, like hint, hint, nudge, nudge, she gets several tastes from a- Ace, who is frantically texting her. And Bess. It's not just Ace. It's Ace and Bess. So she heads back to the claw. And I put again, George, in quotation marks, is scratching at a picture of George. And they're trying to come up with an explanation because they don't know she's been possessed by Tiffany at this point. We know as an audience because we saw it at the end of last episode. Mm -hmm. But not surprisingly, the first person to jump to the supernatural and the possibility of possession is Bess. Hashtag team ghost. She, she and Ace are, are, I always say they're hashtag team ghosts. They're the first people to jump to the supernatural thought. And so Ace then piggybacks off of that. Right. And he's like, well, what if something went wrong with the body when she went to put the ring on the body and the mirror and all that? Nancy kind of looks at him because Ace didn't know about the plan last episode. He was not in on that. So she kind of looks at him and he's like, what? Best tells me things when you're not around. We're platankers now. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that. But at the same time, my heart kind of aches. I'm like, oh, you know, he's telling all of this to McGinnis. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I know know he is. And I don't care because he's Bess's platanker. (laughs) Yeah, maybe he doesn't tell the platanker stuff, you know, maybe. Because, I mean, McGinnis doesn't come at them for like, the body thing but you know we'll get more into today's thing so they they go searching nancy breaks into george's locker and Bess has a really cute line again about how we all know how good that you are at breaking into lockers because she broke into Bess's locker and uh they do find it so easy for her you know like make a harder combination i don't know Bess. you know it's like a you problem (laughs) If Horseshoe Bay were not the town that Target forgot, they could have electronic lockers and things like that. Kind of like the key card scanny thing at the morgue, right? <laughs> so they do, though. They break into George's locker and they find the mirror. So at this point, the Drew crew is on board with the whole Tiffany is possessing Possess. George. Yeah. God damn it, George. Again, a two two-part, two-step plan. How did you mess that up? I can't even. You had one job. One job. One job. So Nick then comes in to talk to Ace about Laura because, again, at the end of last episode, they find he sees on his camera because he does have cameras. Thank you. 
Oh, which is funny, by the way. How does Nick have cameras in his garage apartment and Ryan doesn't have cameras in his mansion? I repeat, Ryan is a dumb, dumb boy. <laughs> <laughs> or just too trusting. <laughs> or <laughs> it's a convenient plot point. So <laughs> I like my Here's version better. <laughs> I like my explanation better. He is a dumb, dumb boy. <laughs> He's dumb, dumb. Uh, but he... T-shirt? <laughs> I have I have a lot of things I want on a t-shirt and and that includes of course she does because every time Nancy does something I'm like of course she does so but he comes in to confront Ace about Laura and the flash drive and I love how everybody on this show anytime they want to have a connection with Laura they go to Ace yeah. blame them. I mean no I guess she's more intimidating I, I feel like, especially over the course of the next couple of episodes, everybody just keeps coming to Ace about his girlfriend. And I didn't even know that. Are they official? I don't think I don't so. Know. I don't know that they were ever official. Everybody sure likes to call her his girlfriend, though. My my question is, I don't know if this is just me assuming things. But I always assumed that their relationship was kind of secret over that one period of time before the show started. And I was like, how does everyone know that they have a thing? And that maybe, maybe it was a not so secret secret. Yeah, I was like, maybe it's just my assumption that it would be secretive because Laura left him like without any real explanation other than like, bye. I feel like God, she's that relationships kind of in general on the show are secretive, like. Nancy and Nick, Carson and Karen, like you're you're not wrong. I, I mean, I and even even one. Lizbeth and Bess are kind of oh secret, God. right? Because yeah. she works for the Hudsons. And then there was the unfortunate George and Ryan, but that was the one I didn't. We don't to. talk about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, we don't I mention ass- that. Yeah, I assumed earlier that that was going to go on for a while. I'm glad I was proven wrong. Yeah, that oh, was yeah. one prediction you have that I was like, oh, she's wrong about that. Thank God. Yeah, and I was just like, I just, I thought, and to be fair to me, I didn't know George that well at that point. I thought George was going to take, it would be harder to convince her that Ryan was fishy and that she, that relationship would carry on. But it, it happened. Yeah. She, she, she turned on him rather quickly. Yes. And I mean, and there's more, you get better closure for that whole thing later on, but either way. So he comes in, he wants Ace to help him get the flash drive back from Lara, essentially, because he believes that Tiffany left it for him. That cuts back to the scene with Nancy, where in quote George, and Nancy is they're trying to find a way to convince Tiffany that she is not in her own body. So Nancy takes a picture of George, quote George, and then she faints. I guess she couldn't stand to see the fact that she was not in her own body. I just want to point out, never would have thought of taking a picture. That would not have occurred to me. <laughs> we, well, we don't come across possessions very often. Accurate. <laughs> Good to file away. I come every day. What? What? I live such a boring life, man. But But can we also just talk about in this scene, and we get this a lot with Drew Crew, of how just like everybody's so different. Like Nick is like not believing in ghosts whatsoever. George is just sitting there. He's trying to be reasonable. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then George is sitting there just like, she believes it, but she's only caring about the work. And then Bess is like, I think Bess is like the representative of the audience. She does. She is a lot. She's the audience voice a lot. I and agree. then there's just Ace with the one-liners and then the Nancy's being rational, like, let's figure this out. Let's push through this. She's like a mixture between Nick and Bess. She just, Nancy, what gets me about Nancy is she is so desperate to get to the bottom of things that she makes a lot of dumb decisions. Like going yes. upstairs. I know I've said that several times, but it really- will never Teresa. forgive her for that episode. No. Literally the first episode at the end- she walks up the stairs, unforgivable. There's murderers on this show. And she's the worst thing you can do. Nancy for going up the stairs. You go up the freaking stairs. There's nowhere to go. Except priorities. Die. Except to die. You're going to your death. But you're right. I, I actually wrote down Nick is trying to be reasonable. And Ace re- response is, no, it's for real. And I just, <laughs> I love the way that he delivers how Alex delivers Ace's lines like he just says things in like such a like straight it's not quite monotone but like just very matter of fact way of delivering his lines and and then like when they were talking about the possession and he and I wrote this down he goes well but good news is Tiffany's dead like so excited (laughs) just Nick's face it it he He's just so funny. He really is. And we still have a lot more to dive into with Ace. And all I'll say is between this episode and the end of season two, he's easily one of my favorite characters. Easily. Oh, yeah. And and you know how much I love Carson. He's up there. We love (laughs) we love Ace. (laughs) So after coming to terms with, yes, she's possessed, Nick's quite not quite on board. And I think Nick not being on board has more to do with the fact that they think she's possessed by Tiffany. Right. Mm -hmm. And the implications of what it would mean if she were possessed by Tiffany for Nick. You know what I mean? Because he and Tiffany were close and he doesn't quite know how to handle that. But they do decide to go to George's mom, who in the last episode is, we learned George's mom is a clairvoyant. And that's the reason why she's always under the influence of alcohol is because this is the only way to kind of numb out all the voices of the spirits and the dead of the town because the town is apparently super haunted. And she's the one that gives them the ritual to put Tiffany back in her body, of which George messed up. So they go back to Victoria. You know, of course, she admonishes them for messing up the ritual. But in this epi- in this scene and in this episode, she you can see the genuine concern and fear that she has for her daughter. And I think that up until now, we only really have George's perspective on Victoria. And in George's mind, you know, she is the adult. Her mom is a child. Her mom doesn't care about them. She just wants to get drunk all the time. Like, the more you find out about Victoria, the more you realize that George's point of view is a little skewed. Yeah, and I I think I mentioned it the last episode. Victoria literally did her best with what she got. Like, she, I could tell with, what was it episode three where where Rita came on? Or was it episode, that was episode three, right? Or four. I think. Yes, it yeah. was three. It was not four. It was three. Um, where I was like, well, she protected her the way she knew how, which was from the supernatural. And you could tell that she, that concern never really went away. Just because she's a drunk for her own sanity doesn't mean like she didn't she doesn't love her children. Mm-hmm. And I honestly 
watching the show the first time, I actually missed that part of the reason she drinks a lot was because she's the clairvoyant. I honestly always looked at it from two different things that she likes to drink a lot and she's clairvoyant. I never really like put that together until I was like rewatching. Yes, I did. I went until until I was rewatching for for the podcast. I was like, oh, this makes <laughs> so much more sense now. Yes. I, I, if I were Victoria seeing ghostly things like every second of my life, I too would always just want to be drunk. I yeah. just I don't I can't fault her for that. Is she a she's not a good mom. She tries her best. Like I a drunk can't be a good mom, but she tries her best. Yeah. And she she got a short stick in life. She did. So, it, you know, it sinks. Um, but like I said, in this episode, we really see how much she loves George. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that over the next couple of episodes, George starts to see too. And I think that maybe George has never really seen it before or either has ignored it because, you know, when you're a teenager, it's one of those things when you're a teenager, you don't really appreciate or value your parents or your guardians the way that you do when you're older. And now that's not true for every family. And it's not necessarily true just about parents in general, general, but like just the adults in your life that you think are out to get you. Usually when you're older, you realize that those adults were not necessarily out to get you. And I think that over the next couple of episodes, that's what George comes to realize. And because, you know, she's really worried that Tiffany is going to devour her life force and steal her body. And she's even more worried when she finds out that George had an affair with Ryan, because then she says she has a reason to hate you. Um, And I think that made her even more concerned. I I was going to say that I just can't help but think George was influenced by the town's perception of her mother. Like they aren't all believers in the supernatural, right? They all can't don't understand clairvoyancy um, in the same way. And so when you're the world's telling you your mother is a F up, right, that she's not doing her job right and that you Mm -hmm. have to ground yourself in this reality and you have to like fill in the gaps that your mom leaves behind. You don't appreciate the things that she does for you, which is put you in a salt circle to protect you from all the ghosts. Yeah, so. because literally the only person telling her that this is for your safety is her mom. Yeah, right? everyone else is like, she's nuts. Yeah, but she does, she makes her a tea to keep the possession at bay, which is, Teresa, I know you like to talk about your horror filmology. Is that something you see in your horror films? <laughs> tea to help <laughs> possessions? There are a lot of different things I've seen, I've come across, and like natural herbs and herbalists have their, their things. Um, I am not as familiar with uh, the Eastern cultures approach to a lot of the paranormal or supernatural. So um, I believe they're Chinese, right? She mentions they're from China, right? That she has relatives in China helping her. Yeah. And, and I mean, tea is heavy in just in Eastern culture period. Mm -hmm. That's true. That is that is something that I hadn't hadn't really considered. Well, yeah. I don't know. I don't know about the like the tea in particular, but I do remember. Um, I think with with this episode towards the end, Drew Crew writers did come on and say like when they were talking about when they would they wanted to incorporate a lot of the supernatural from different cultures and traditions, and so they did 
So that was something I had mad respect for is that they did so much research into this and they like talk to the people, like all of the actors who are of the specific culture to say, how, do, how is this portrayed in your culture? And I just was, so I think, I think there probably is some truth to it. I, I mean, I'm not. 100%. That's really cool. It makes me want to do my own research. Yeah, I know that they're in um, indigenous cultures. They do have, for those cultures that participate in like the supernatural higher beings, they do use herbs and herbal remedies as a way to connect to the supernatural and connect to that side of the the universe. I, I don't know what the vocabulary would be for that particular culture. Dimension. Um, as, <laughs> dimension, I... Uh, uh, I don't want to Multiverse. offend anyone. So if you know wh- what that would be called, please let us know. But I do know that herbs are part of a lot of the medicines and things like that that, that are used yeah. and stuff like that. So so she does make her the tea to try and keep the possession at bay. She says she's going to talk to her aunties in China, which is, you know, what we were referring to. And Bess, uh, George doesn't really want to drink the tea. And Bess says, but think of your yang. <laughs> and it, it's, it's funny, but because at the same time, you can tell that she's really, she's absorbing everything that Victoria is telling them. Like it is the, the so to speak, biblical truth. Think of your yang, George. And George's mom then, of course, loves this because she's like, oh, this child believes me. <laughs> so that scene's happening. They're trying to keep the possession so it's not so bad so that George's mom, Victoria, can find a way to cure her of the possession. And all of this occurs before they head to the party. Because don't forget earlier, Owen Marvin, when he made his lovely white t-shirted debut, he came into the claw to have the claw cater his party for charity. And it seems like a really poor time for George to have a party to cater. Maybe just me. Maybe I, just a little bit. <laughs> but, so I also want to know how they are catering this party when three out of the four employees are taking care of a possession right now. I want to know how they're catering. I never see them working. So like the fact that they actually know how to cook things and like prepare them to the size of like a catering is just shocking to me to watch them prepare food. It's like, oh, <laughs> they and do. Just the fact know? That, and just like the fact that the running joke with the call is they never have customers and they're never open. So like, when do they get to practice cooking? How do they stay open? How do they pay for things if they're never? It's so funny because you see Ace washing dishes all the time. And it's like, what what dishes are you washing? He's just bored. He's just bored. Are you cleaning the clean dishes? So they're at the party. Nancy actually meets Owen because she was not there earlier. She meets him now. And from the get-go, Nick is extremely jealous. All the classic directional writing choices are there focusing on his face and his reaction to their conversation. And at this point, I, at later, maybe, but at this point, I'm like, bro, she's having a conversation with him. Is she not allowed to smile at people? It I just think it's less about Nancy and her reactions to him than Owen being obviously interested in Nancy. Okay. Like, I, okay. Maybe. I, I, at least I that's how that. I took it because I think Owen isn't subtle. And I think Nick being a boy can see that. <laughs> That he's like, he's just like, you, 
Owen clearly is interested, even if Nancy has pretty much turned him down every single time. Even, I will say, even Nancy in that scene, she she wasn't totally innocent. She was very much flirting with Owen. I remember when I watched this for the very first time, I was like, oh, like, I was. I, I did too the first time I watched this. My, I hate to say this because I love Nick. Nick is also one of my favorite characters and he only <laughs> gets better. Like he's obviously one of the best, the most good people on the show, mm-hmm. Nick is. And I hate to say this, but like when she talked to Owen for the first time and I was like, oh, chemistry. Uh, I was was like, that's what that is. Like, not to say they don't have chemistry, but they never had that type of chemistry, I think. And chemistry is 100% an opinion, Mm -hmm. 100% an opinion. But I think it was intentional. I think it was definitely played into by the writers. Yes. I the chemist I saw the chemistry thing. I think Nick and Nancy have a more subtle, simmered down, steady chemistry where I could yeah. see it going for the long term. I mean, it's not like hot and fiery and passionate the way that I think Owen and Nancy would be given the the this episode and the chemistry we got to see. I think mm-hmm. if Nancy and Owen would burn bright and fast. I don't think they would be like the kind of couple that would last. I, I agree with be, that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's different kinds of chemistry. Yeah, for sure. Um, what What's hard for me and, you know, we'll see more as the episodes go along with Nancy and Nick, I guess, where they do have a type of chemistry, seeing their personality differences right and like the obstacles they have in front of them to make a relationship work I think sometimes got in the way for me of seeing their you know their own unique type of chemistry but Mm -hmm. we'll see we'll see where things go it was a very spark-filled meeting between her and Owen I think that seeing that made me more interested in the Nick and Nancy relationship yeah. Um, which I, I hope was the intention of the writers because I did see the difference. And as you mentioned, the, the, the personality clashes between Nick and Nancy, I think was a lot for me to take like from the very beginning. I knew they were mm-hmm. kind of doomed because you don't start off a show with that relationship without them at least breaking up once. Um, and then they, they might back get back together. together later. Yeah, like they might get like back after together. A time I jump. don't <laughs> or something like that, but I don't know. I haven't watched it, but I, I think I grew to appreciate the obstacles and their willingness to overcome those at the beginning because you you saw that Nancy wasn't just settling for Nick because there aren't other options. She was mm-hmm. choosing Nick intentionally because there's Owen. He's yeah. a hot, hot man and he's interested. And she's like, no, thanks. Mm-hmm. They're at the party. She meets Owen there's the Nick thing and Ace is kind of in the background too, just listening and observing as he is wont to do. With a big knife. <laughs> big knife. <laughs> I literally, I was rewatching. I was rewatching and I was so focused on Nick because he drops the thing. And then all I see is Ace turn around with this big knife, like ready to go to bat. Like, he's like, who are we killing right now? <laughs> you know, that is something I appreciate about rewatching all of this, right? Is that now I can focus on characters in the scene who are not necessarily the ones that have 
the microscope on them, right? The ones mm-hmm. that have the focus. I'm able to pay attention to reactions and acting that I had previously missed. So I've appreciated that about this rewatch. Anywho, Nancy is following George around to try and make sure that she is, you know, staying George and not turning into Tiffany. When we have our ghost sighting number 10, right? Yes. Yes. I'm not including the possession stuff because technically that's not a ghost sighting. Okay. But yes, we do have our our 10th ghost sighting with Nancy at the party. Um, I think it's one of my favorite ghost sightings up to date. Oh, the, um, the dirt in the ground one? Yeah, the, the dirt in the ground. Out. Yep. Don't know why. Like it, I just really you like it. like it better than her, like, up in the corner of the room? That's a good one. But I felt like that one was a classic ghost sighting. Oh, you see okay. it in every movie. The Hannah out of the dirt thing is more nuanced and uh, not as overused. Okay. I like it. <laughs> I like it. But not uh, everyone has my... Uh, Ex- long experience with horror films to have that kind of opinion. If I don't want to say classic things are overrated, but I liked that they used a different classic different things are role. overrated. That's what she's saying. <laughs> Classics are overrated. She's definitely saying that. One hundred percent. But <laughs> it I I I think and I'll ask Melissa because she knows what's gonna happen later on in the show. But I just feel like if we were to count possessions as ghost sightings it would get real messy. (laughs) I don't even know how you would count it at this point. I I don't either. So I'm excited. I say, I say we not count every possession as a ghost (laughs) because man, that's a lot of counting. Okay. So after she has the hand thing happen with Lucy, Karen comes up interestingly enough right because karen always there too late to actually do anything she's She's always always there she's always there and then pops up a second too late to actually be of use you know i'm thinking because we had nancy following george i think karen was probably following nancy at the party maybe probably right she seems to (laughs) like following nancy she does (laughs) we have this like train of following (laughs) And, you know, it could have been, you know, we know a last episode, Lucy was trying to show her the pic of her and Karen. Maybe Lucy's ghost sighting, drawing her to the edge of the party, though, was drawing her to where Karen was. Maybe. Maybe. Now, past episodes have dictated that Karen's creepy and following. (laughs) She always turns me down. I always have like these really great, really smart and insightful comments. And she's like, no, no. I can be (laughs) contrarian. I feel like Teresa's just like, no. And I'm sitting here like, oh, that's interesting. (laughs) At least if it doesn't come from me, it's not real. No, I'm kidding. Um, It might be actually, now that you mention it, it's actually a really po- a, a good possibility seeing as Lucy wants the connection to Karen to be obvious to Nancy for some reason. Thank um, you. I will accept that. All right. <laughs> so Karen comes over and Nancy and true Nancy drew post Nancy coming back out of her shell style 
immediately confronts Karen with the picture <laughs> that she's apparently just carrying around with her in her pocket because, you know, why not? You never know when an opportunity might be. Because present, so. of course she is. <laughs> exactly. Hashtag. So she shows her the picture and she basically, Karen says, you know, that Lucy was her best friend and that she didn't admit it because she really, she felt guilty Lucy pulled away from her as, you know, as friends after she went to some exclusive party and make note star Lucy is actually the reason why Karen became a cop. And by the time she basically came back to Horseshoe Bay to be a cop, the town had basically, I I wrote it down. She says this town, um, by the time she came back, this town had turned my friend into an urban legend. So, you know, you feel some sympathy for her in this scene. But at this point, I've had enough Karen to be like, mm-hmm. I know that was the intention of of the scene. Some sympathy, giving her some character growth, some arc, you know, giving her contacts. I don't care. I've already decided Karen isn't worthy of mine. (laughs) She is, uh, Teresa is very, um, once her mind is made up, it's very hard to change it. That's not true. You almost changed it with the Lucy thing. I wasn't convinced the ghost was Lucy and now I'm on board. So See, well, that's because Nancy keeps saying it's Lucy. It's Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I, how many more times Nancy has to say it's Lucy before you believe it. I wasn't convinced because as someone who has seen horror, oftentimes the characters get it wrong because that's part of the thing. It's that they but she's Nancy Drew. Yeah, I was like, they think it's a friendly ghost. And really, it's a demonic being who's never lived, who's haunting everybody and will kill you. Sometimes that happens. That is a really fair point. And I just remember, like, hearing the first couple episodes you guys recorded and you were talking about how you weren't convinced it was Lucy. I was like, I've never heard that before. I just went with it right away. (laughs) I I was on board the Lucy train episode one. I was like, oh, my God, it's Lucy. (laughs) Like I said, I like to be different. <laughs> we know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, they're talking and she's spilling her history as a cop. And Owen interrupts as he is wont to do. He interrupts lots of things. And he introduces himself and Karen says, oh, you're a Marvin? He said, I used to summer here. And immediately my heart is like, oh, Owen, don't say it like that. Like you sound like Ryan. I used to summer here. That's a thing. That's a rich people thing. Yeah. Like, uh, was it Carson, right, who told uh, Ryan to not like mm-hmm. this from like the locals? <laughs> and I couldn't yes. help but think that in this moment, I was like, Owen, dear. But no. with a town being full of ghost stories, who wants to summer there? I don't know. Ghost I mean, hunters. I'm sure they make a lot of money off of that for tourism, which we do see some of next next season. But Ooh, fun. It is Owen and Nancy's second meeting. There's more sparks, right? It's very obvious at this point that the writers are going to be using this spark relationship thing. They're building something. They are. And whether it's, you know, it's it's very convenient to have a Marvin as a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Just like it would be very convenient to have a Hudson as a friend when you know these things okay, arise but but here's the thing does nancy really need a marvin given all of the things people i thought she her? already had a marvin though 
I mean, she's like a reject Marvin. Like she's rejected from the family, but you know, that might change. Yeah. You never know. (sighs) But anyways, Nick comes up to Ace and he asks him, you know, did you get the flash drive from Lara? And Ace says, I did, but it came with Lara. (laughs) 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 And Lara walks onto the scene. I just, he's so cute. Like, don't you just want to pinch him? Like, yeah, there's there's something about Ace that even though I know he's betraying every single one of them, where <laughs> I just want to put myself in front of him and use my own body as a as shield. As a shield. No, <laughs> don't be mean to him. He's probably that boy. Like, he's probably the one that has the most secrets, but he also has just this, like, innocence about him that I just want to protect. Yeah, he has the most secrets, most things to hide other than, like, maybe Nancy, but he's so open at the same time there's like this contradiction to him where he like you feel like his expressions are very open and honest but you know he's hiding and I'm just like oh what's crazy about that is that even up until the current point like at the end of season two I feel like Ace is still the one with the most secrets but he does ask about (laughs) when he's asked about the flash drive he's like yeah I, I got it but Laura came with it Laura comes on and Nick is like, I can't believe you broke into my place and stole the flash drive. And she said, I have impulse control issues. <laughs> and I'm like, obviously. At no. this point, I'm like, she's kind of like putting best, giving Bess a run for her money. Like the fashion, the impulse control or the, you know, the shiny. You know what? Maybe them. that's why I don't like her as much because she, we already have a Bess and Bess is great. And we already have a Nancy. We and already Nancy's have a Nancy. great. But she does. She says she has impulse control issues, but she knew the flash drive was there and she knew that Tiffany was apparently collecting information to bring the Hudson's down. And this whole scene is just so cute because Ace is over like between the two of them. And he's like, hashtag teamwork. Let's work together, guys. Come on. (laughs) Cause you can tell he doesn't want to make Laura mad and he doesn't want to make Nick mad. And he's just like, let's work together. Let's come (laughs) together and solve the mystery. But that is what was on the flash drive was information Tiffany was collecting to take the Hudson's down. After that, we see Ryan and Owen together and Ryan is trying to talk Owen into doing something with him. And Owen's basically like, nah, man, you shady. (laughs) (laughs) That's that scene in 15 words or less. (laughs) Well, and I I feel like this is like the first time we kind of get a glimpse into maybe Ryan having money issues. Yeah. Well, I mean, we kind of assume it because he is trying real hard to get all Tiffany's money. But but this is, I think, the confirmation because he does say he's like business is risk or something along those lines. He was trying to sound all smart and business minded as to like why he doesn't have any money. And Owen's like, not those aren't the kinds of risks I want to do with my fortune. Thank you very much. Goodbye. (laughs) He just shuts him down. It leads to this scene where Nancy loses track of George because she got sidetracked with Owen and Karen and they're all looking around the party. Ace tells Laura what's happening, which was probably not a good idea. (laughs) And as they're, no, it's not. And as they're looking around, Bess sees Lizbeth. She gives Lizbeth her number and she apologizes for not returning any of her calls at the claw. And they have like a cute conversation where she's like, well, it doesn't really count because I didn't call your cell phone number. So she gives her her cell phone number. 
It's really cute. Yeah, it's cute. Um, and they have a lot of cute scenes coming up. I'll just I say. love Lisbeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're really sweet. But uh, they Nancy sees uh, no, not Nancy. Bess sees George, and George <laughs> is now Tiffany again, and she's in like a red evening gown, casually <laughs> with a knife. <laughs> so I maybe the ace thing was foreshadowing and that's what i was about to say i was like i can't help but think that the ace thing was foreshadowing um it's just so funny to me that she's just waltzing around a party in a red evening gown with a knife like she's jason and, yeah <laughs> and like i think she passes lots of people and no one really says anything she's yeah like, it's not like she's around. hiding <laughs> nope she's not that's hiding a common occurrence in horseshoe bay <laughs> i mean maybe they're like but, Ooh, a tourist attraction <laughs> but Bess is the one to see her and she goes and gets nancy and tells nancy that she's worried about Bess's chi uh george's chi which is another proof right that Bess was really actually listening to victoria versus everybody yeah, versus everyone else i think it's very endearing actually and it kind of shows right? that like that's what Victoria kind of needed was like a right hand woman who would listen to her and actually like pay attention to what her advice is. And because I think she validated Victoria in a way that no one ever really had before beyond her aunties in China. Um, and it also shows how Beth isn't an airhead. I feel like up until this point, we were, there was the assumption that there wasn't much going on in, in her head. Right. Um, because she's playing the dumb heiress because that's what she thinks a Marvin would do. Right. And, but she's listening. She pays attention. She's like Mm -hmm. taking notes and, and, you know, doing her part that I think I, especially, I I know I'm guilty of this. Haven't really been paying attention um, in that way. Like Bess is doing her part. She is. After she goes and tells Nancy about George, we then cut to a scene of George confronting Ryan. And she tells uh, Ryan at this point, of course, thinks that George is George, right? Because, you know, in Horseshoe Bay, the town of the, the town of the supernatural, no one actually believes in the supernatural. Even after George says, I know about the waitress. And it still did not occur to Ryan. Like, that was a really strange thing for George to say. Maybe he really is a dumb dumb. <laughs> Maybe he? he was just freaked out by the he, I repeat, he's a dumb dumb boy. <laughs> Or what were you going to say, Melissa? He's just freaked out about the knife. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Nancy intervenes and she takes George away to the kitchen and she's trying to talk to Tiffany about the night she died. And I'm like, you know what? Nancy is definitely single-minded. She is very focused on like trying to accomplish what it is she wants to accomplish even if it means towing the line, mm-hmm. which we actually see in an upcoming episode. I won't say more. I was not a Nancy fan at that moment. I was just like, George yeah. is dying. And you're like, Tiffany, let's talk for the next five minutes as George <laughs> dies so I can figure out who murdered you. I do think Nancy has a lot of moments where I, in my head, I'm like, Nancy, come on. Really? Like, really? Is, is now the time? Apparently, you you know, whatever, but Victoria comes in and she has, I wrote badass moment. 
she has this really badass moment where she basically has like the equivalent of molly weasley saying not my daughter you bitch from the harry potter books and i was like i mean right but that that that's what that moment reminded me of where she bursts into the kitchen and basically says the equivalent get out of my daughter's body and again we get that glimpse into victoria and how much she truly loves george and how worried she is so i'll be honest i am i am very biased towards nancy so <laughs> I'm very, i I, I would not I, have known that oh how, really is, I is know. it very shocking for me so like, it, it really get, is totally missed it <laughs> i get very blinded by a lot of those things and so like that whole scene you know i'm like okay i yeah i see how nancy is probably in the wrong in this but i'm also coming from the mindset of like well, maybe she knows that Victoria and Bess are handling the supernatural side. So she's trying to keep Tiffany distracted so they can come in. And <laughs> Man, did you hurt yourself with that reach? It did wasn't that muscle? far reach. <laughs> it is. A, I think it is a reach, but I don't think she would hurt herself reaching that. I think Melissa's okay. I think it's in within the realm of possibility. <laughs> it it uh she 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 no (laughs) george is dying okay i love nancy too but no nancy pat Uh, slap slap on the hand uh, allie just pulled at me she said i did i did someone someone's got to do it to melissa you wouldn't do it to melissa you only do it to me so you know melissa's a guest okay Fair yeah, warning, well. there's gonna be more of these moments coming up. <laughs> I love them, but keep them coming. Melissa will always be the cursory Nancy Drew supporter, apologist, Nancy Drew apologist in the corner. You know what though? Every every lead deserves at least one because I feel like Nancy will end up suffering from lead syndrome where everyone kind of doesn't appreciate her the way that that lead should be appreciated because everyone's always like my favorite's a supporting character because that's unique and I'm like it's not that unique anymore I'm sorry no Nancy's pretty great I do I enjoy the crew is then trying to convince Tiffany that she's dead and unfortunately for the crew and when I say crew I always mean Drew crew by the way for those of you listening and unfortunately Laura Tandy comes in because earlier as I mentioned we see Ace talking to her, apparently telling her what's happening. And for a split second, just a split second, I was very sad for Laura because, right, this is her sister. And just like last episode with Nancy wanting to see Kate's ghost and how you would feel if she got to talk to Kate again. For a split second, I felt really bad for Laura. And then, you know, Laura tried to get tiffany to stay in george's body which is not okay because that is essentially killing george and again comes back to earlier we talked about there's a lot of some there are a lot of similarities between laura tandy and nancy but there's also a line with nancy and i don't feel like nancy would ever like yeah earlier she was trying to talk to tiffany or whatever but if it came to like her asking tiffany questions and george dying Nancy would 100% not be asking questions because she would not want George to die. And I think in this moment, we see, you know, that difference between her and Laura because Laura was legit trying to get 
George, her body taken over by Tiffany permanently. And you know, it's coming from a a place of grief. Like she's lost her sister or whatever, but murder. Hmm. Yeah. And I was kind of like, as you were talking, just thinking about that of like, I mean, I can't blame her for wanting her to have her sister again. But then I also think about like, okay, let's say Tiffany does take over George's body permanently. You're going to look at her every day and see George. You're not going to see your sister. Oh gosh, I'm having flashbacks to the hundred season six. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> make it stop! <laughs> like so. Anywho, that whole scene happened. Tiffany runs away because Laura tells her, you know, get out of here. Whatever. She's trying to get her to live, and Ryan ends up pulling George into like I think it's a library. George, mm-hmm. Tiffany, George, <laughs> Tiffany, George. And basically there's like a brief moment where Tiffany is pulled aside and George comes out and she pleads with Ryan and she's like, help me. And Ryan says, why would I do that? Asshole. (laughs) Period. (laughs) Even if he doesn't know it's a possession thing, right? Even if it were something about the average everyday, not supernatural, like for him to just, why would I help you? Like, oh, oh, it made me want to throw something sharp at him. Like, he is a dumb mean knife. boy. I just, uh, uh, anyways. And I really needed that big knife to come back in that, in that scene. <laughs> I mean, Where you're not in wrong. In the background with the knife, just like, hey. <laughs> in the second, and then, okay. And so then like uh, Victoria and all of them come into the library And the second they're in there, Ryan runs away because he's a coward. Even because he doesn't know what's happening. And he just runs away. And just looking back on these first few episodes, it's hard to believe that by the end of season two, I semi-like Ryan. You semi-like Ryan? I do. Like by by the end of season two, I do. I semi-like Ryan. And that just goes to show you how much growth he has ahead and how much like he has to go through and how much apologizing he has to do for me to be like, okay, I semi like, you know, semi, <laughs> I never got there with echo. So, you know, <laughs> at, at least I'm, I'm there with Brian. Like that, I would never better writing. Echo. Yeah. That's on writing. Um, and that's on, <laughs> that's what I just said. That's a better writing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like planning, because it doesn't matter how talented of writer you are if you don't plan your shit. It doesn't matter. It's true. And the Drew yeah. Crew writers are amazing. We do have a really good writers team. Top tier. Ninety percent women, or over ninety percent women. Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. That's I why. Like- that, that's why. It ma- yes, that makes sense to me. All of that makes sense to me. Women should write everything because men. What? I mean, and you can even tell that the men on the show are written by women. As opposed to men being written by men. I'm Carson, just anyone? Throw that. Carson. I love Carson. And he's wanna... not in this episode. I didn't I... need you to know. This is the end of the episode. The bottom of this page. And it says, I miss Carson. And <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, no, I forgot he's not in this episode. <laughs> 
they're about to expunge Tiffany or whatever from George's body. Nick is crying. And I'm like crying because Nick is crying because he gets to talk to Tiffany right there at the end. And he doesn't really want to let her go, but he knows that he has to because we we can't sacrifice George for Tiffany. And she tells him, Tiffany tells Nick to keep Laura safe. Then she says, Dante, and remember me. And then Tiffany's gone. And y'all, I'm not gonna lie. I was tearing up because I, even though it had only been like, what, two, maybe three episodes ago where we found out about Nick's relationship with Tiffany, their relationship was really special and it was really well acted. And I feel like it was fleshed out in such a way that in three episodes, I'm like crying that she's gone and that he gets to talk to her one last time and just superior acting, superior acting. And it was like, he lost her twice. Yeah. Like that really got to me because in that, you could tell in that final scene, he, he was very just like did not know what to do because he wanted to keep Tiffany around but he also knew George needed to come back and it was just I don't know with how how much we haven't we never really got to see their relationship I'm like I feel like I know so much about it yeah Yeah. it was it was it was a really sad moment but like I said like the acting in that scene with Tunji was it was just so good and he's just a really good actor oh my gosh again this show is just filled with great yeah. actors it's right it, there's there's talent throughout the whole thing there's a and i said this was kennedy too a less experienced less talented actor would have overacted this scene this scene could have mm-hmm. easily been too much could have been over dramatic and the it required a subtlety that i think most people it wouldn't been like their gut reaction when they first read the scene right there was this You're, like you're really gonna love then a courtroom scene later in this season oh my gosh just remember this comment for when that happens okay because okay. and i'll be back for that oh you can <laughs> yes that's I right that that's not, that's for not, that's not signed up for it she can remind me if i forget <laughs> yep 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 i remember but anyways yeah, it's just the subtlety yeah. and the writing and the directing of this episode. The cinematography was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a really good episode. Um, And I put, I'm crying. Poor Tiffany. Because, you know, she did not deserve to die. And I know in the beginning when she dies, we don't really have an attachment to it. Like, Teresa and I have talked about this before. We were just like, okay, whatever. We've got this dead person and we've got to solve their murder. But by the time this scene happens you've realized what a good person she was and Mm -hmm. how smart she was and just gone too soon. Like she did not deserve to die. My go, which leaves the question. I was like, what the F did she see in Ryan? (laughs) I was just thinking that same thing because I remember when I first met Tiffany in the very first episode, I was like, oh, this is just some heiress out for the Hudson money. Like she, whatever. By around this episode, I, w- I had so much more respect for her. And I was like, she is such a much deeper character. Like she just, if, if I want to put her on the level of like goodness, she is on Nick's level of goodness. She is. Yeah. And I feel like there is a goodness scale for this show and Nick being top tier. Like he, he's, he's, he's the goodest person on the show, but okay. I think don't 
Teresa is going to skewer me for this. I think that Ryan actually does have some redeemable like personality traits. And I think he, when they got married, I feel like, and you'll see it this season, even he genuinely, I think he genuinely had feelings for Tiffany. And I think I'm not being a Ryan apologist by any means, but (laughs) I do think that Ryan has had a really tough parenting situation would his father ever would that he be at the bottom what's his name everett or something like that everett is negative five (laughs) okay so only i think only only negative five well i feel like if we go lower than negative five the axis is going to be too skewed so um i do feel like yeah i feel like at one point they might have had a good relationship and that's what i'll say about that so. I mean, I, I have said in the past that I do think Ryan is redeemable. Um, and I during the funeral scene, we did see that he cared for Tiffany at least a little bit, given that he apologized for his father's nasty behavior to her. So. I think that we're going to have more to talk about over the next two or three episodes. <laughs> Anyways, so George ends up being fine. And... Oh my gosh, Victoria has a great line after they've get, gotten rid of Tiffany's spirit or whatever. She's like, well, we've banished Tiffany from the earthly realm and now I'll go summon an Uber. <laughs> she just like, I, she has a lot of great lines too. I, I was I'm just, so glad I'll we get to see that. more of her. I was really worried that she was only going to be in there for a little bit. Given you, you see Victoria several times. Okay. She's not uh, like, she's recurring, I would say. I bet that's what she's billed as. She's recurring. Maybe yeah. or guest star, one or the other. But I put Horseshoe Bay has Uber. Really? There's Am Uber I literally the only everywhere. Surprised? No, no, there's no, not. Not there, where I grew up. <laughs> there's no Uber there? No. I told you I grew up in literally the epitome of small towns. Did you not believe me? They don't have I, Uber, they don't have DoorDash. They don't have, I guess zero things i i guess well here's the thing oh maybe there is an uber i was gonna say because i'm pretty sure we ubered somewhere when i was visiting my dad's parents and he lives in a small town but i don't think i think we just ubered from the airport so i don't think that counts (laughs) i take it back Horseshoe in general just confuses me because it gets talked about as a small town, but they have Uber, they have like rich people that summer there, like all of these things. I'm like, I they have like tourism, is... they have a tourism industry, <laughs> right? I feel like this is like the Hamptons in a way. I mean, uh, yeah, something like that. I was just um, vacationing in Lake Tahoe, and I feel like it's like that, like it's a small town feel. People probably think it's a small town with lots of tourism, but, it, but it's like, is it really? <laughs> Is it really though? So Victoria leaves. Nancy and Ace convince Laura to hand over the flash drive at last, especially after that last scene. Tiffany kind of insinuates to Nick that she doesn't want Laura to have anything to do with it. So kind of proves Laura's whole, it was meant for me thing wrong. Uh, She really did want Nick to have it. Nancy and Owen meet up yet again. Except this time she very openly needs something from him. And we see another glimpse of Nick kind of that jealousy whole thing of him looking 
into Nancy and Owen's conversation, even though we as an audience know that she's like being nice to him because she wants something for him. Mm-hmm. There was also another certain character standing there. There was like another certain time. characters. He, he he's always there. <laughs> and I missed it the first time I watched this show. I completely missed it because, and it's intentional. The writers deliberately want you to look at Nick. They want you to see Nick. They want you to see Nancy and Owen. And then if you go back and watch it for a second time, he's always there. And you're just like, oh, my bad. I'm an idiot. Now I have to go back and watch it. Because I think I know what you're talking about, but I like, I'm not sure if I noticed it or not. It's Ace. You weren't supposed to. I know to it's Ace, it. given the what the way you were talking it, uh, talking about it, but like I couldn't. It's like I don't think I noticed him. He's just. There are a lot of things I've seen this go around that I did not see last go around. That knowing what I know at the end of season two, I'm like, man, they were really planning this out for a long time, and I just didn't see it. Like they, now, I saw exactly what they wanted me to see. <laughs> I was like, I noticed Ace in the knife, but I was like, I don't think I noticed Ace in the scene. <laughs> Which is what I love about this, that Teresa didn't see it because she's not supposed to see it since this is your first exactly. time watching. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because we didn't see it either. And that's yeah. what we were actually talking about that earlier today, how we were so focused on what they wanted us to be focused on, right? Which was mm. Nancy and Owen and Nick's reaction to that, that we completely missed it. So later on down the line, it almost comes as like an out of left field thing. But then not really. It completely, okay, and I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get there. (laughs) We'll get there eventually. So I just want, before anyone comes for for Allie for like spoiling, I already know where she lands on this chipping thing. We've already talked about this. I'm not surprised. We've been Twitter Twitter friends for a while. Um, (laughs) So I'm sure she's seen my dedicated GIF threads. Um, Yes. (laughs) And Melissa too, but Melissa and I have been watching it at the same time for, you know, both seasons. So anyway, no, your profile picture also kind of gives it away where you land. <laughs> Maybe I should change my profile picture. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, it's not like I'm alone. Like if you're you not. check the Nancy Drew Riders page, like that's all anyone is replying. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Anywho, you are not alone. Nick and Ace are trying to get into the flash drive and they get in on the first try because again, the flash drive was meant for Nick and not Laura because Nick knew. And even though Tiffany told him Dante, he even says, this is the first thing I would have tried was the first book that she gave to him. Mm-hmm. And they're able to get in there. And the first thing they see is something that makes them think that Owen Marvin might be a suspect. It immediately cuts to a shot of Owen and Nancy. I love the way they do things like that. Oh, um, so good. I can't really is the editing and cinematography enough. <laughs> it, it is really great on this show, but especially moments like that, where you as an audience, you're like, wait, what Owen? And then it's like, oh, look, here's Owen with Nancy. And you're like, ah, ah. Okay, be be careful. But all is well. Nancy has basically <laughs> convinced Owen to dig up a time capsule that she noticed in the picture of 
Lucy and Karen that they were burying a time capsule together. That's what they were burying. And then she's like, oh, maybe this is what Lucy wanted me to get. It wasn't necessarily her relationship with Karen. It was the time capsule. So she convinces Owen, who works in construction, to come and dig up the time capsule. And he is openly flirting with her again. You know, he even says, oh, I'm a very useful guy. And I'm like, yeah, I bet you are, boo. (laughs) And... (laughs) And um, she, and they make an effort, right? They write in that she gets a phone call from Nick who is trying to tell her about Owen Marvin and she screens the call. So this is what the writers want you to see at this moment in time. This is what they want you to see. She gets the time capsule stuff and then it moves into closing. I love the closings on the show. I think the closings are always my favorite part. I don't uh-huh. want to say it it harkens back to the pilot, right? Because you know I love that sequence. Uh, sequence. We gushed about it for so long. It is one of my <laughs> favorite sequences in television history, the closing of the pilot. So every time I'm watching Nancy Drew and it gets to the near the end and like a song starts playing and it's I which is their cue, right? Like mm-hmm. this is the closing. I'm like, ooh, what are we gonna see? Like, like, because there's always lots of revelations in the closing and the cliffhanger. So many. And I love it. It's my favorite part. I'm always, let me write this down. Like, what happens? And when you're watching it live, Teresa, you'll you'll get this when you start watching it live. And that happens. You're just like, yes, Um, go. (laughs) Teasing me. I, I get it. I get it. And just the soundtrack in general that they pick. Like, they pick the best music. They, they do, do. Pick really good music. We even had a whole conversation about Ariana Grande in the pilot. Oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> and I how remember like that. I I never would have even thought of that song, but man, did it work! It, it worked. worked so well. <laughs> it was I I really think it was the beats and the rhythm of the song that really matched the beat and the rhythm of the 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 revelations we were. Yeah, yeah. All right, the revelations we get in this week's closing, best. Finally texts Lisbeth for dinner and her response after Bess like has agonized over actually doing this is I thought you'd never ask, which is so sweet. I thought she'd never ask either. Jesus, (laughs) like (laughs) took her long enough. So Bess and Lisbeth, Lisbeth, Lisbeth are officially (laughs) sailing and then George's, there's a really sweet mom where a moment where George's mom is cooking dinner for her. And it was very, very subtle. But again, I felt like it did a good job of wrapping up the whole how much she loves George and she loves her children, even though she's not the best mom. And George is slowly starting to realize that and that her mother (laughs) is not necessarily what she thought her mother was. So that wasn't necessarily a reveal. But to me, it was one of those moments like, oh. That's really sweet. And then Nancy has dug up the time capsule. She finds a disc that says messages from the past, which yes, Nancy, that is really on the nose. But I put a note, would they have been able to open a CD in a hundred years? Would like, would they have the technology to watch a disc? Like, cause it's already kind of one. It's kind of, I kind of already out of date now. We don't even have ROM drives in like, your standard CPU package even more. That's a good point. No, but let's be real. When, if we did a time 
capsule right now, we probably wouldn't be thinking about that. It's true. Like, we would probably put in our, like, flash drives or whatever. I don't know if people still use them because I don't anymore, really, our hard drives. I would go with paper and, like, pictures because those are things you can always view. I feel like technology is just going to keep rapidly progressing. Here's here's the thing, though. We are self-centered beings. We would want to film ourselves in some capacity so people could hear and see us. She has such but I also, humanity. <laughs> I also feel like, though, that somewhere we would still be able to have that technology to do it. I mean, watch Zoe 101 with the time capsule. I've oh. never watched Zoe 101. I won't lie. <gasps> Isn't that the Britney so Spears sister? Little sister, yeah. I was too busy busy watching Britney Spears to watch. To watch <laughs> I but, am just appalled. But but I was like, museums. Museums would have a way to to like listen or or watch a DVD CD. Do they maybe. have a museum in Horseshoe Bay? No, but yeah. they but Carson's in Boston all the time apparently, so he could pick one up. <laughs> I know he's go- he's gone. Okay, so anyways, she watches the disc. And she sees a scene of Lucy with a male who has his back to the camera and Lucy messes with it basically and comes to find out it's Lucy and Ryan. Mm -hmm. So we kind of end the episode with the revelation via Lucy that she somehow knew Ryan Hudson. Yeah. Which... You know, we had kind of, Teresa had kind of predicted that. I think it has something to, I I confirmed that they were the same age. So it wasn't like a a leap, skip and a jump or anything. No, but it was like one of the first things that I think I said I predicted. I was just like, Ryan's going to be involved with Lucy somehow. Because I figured, and I had, I I mean, you kind of confirmed it for me saying that they were the same age, but I was like, Tiffany's dad, Lucy's dad, Ryan seems like a good connection because he's a dumb, mean boy. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. Our Easter egg for this week. And again, we did get the mention for Keene High School again, where uh, it is named after, like I said earlier, the author of the Nancy Drew novels, which if you did not know, it's actually a pseudonym for several authors. There were more than there was one, more than one person who wrote the original Nancy Drew books. So we did see Keene High School again. And this is one I just failed to mention when we first saw it because it was so iconic that I just assumed that everyone knew it. And then it occurred to me that everyone didn't know it. And I apologize <laughs> sincerely for not mentioning it earlier. But her car, uh, her mom's car, Kate Drew's car, is a blue roadster which is what Nancy drives in the novels. And again, I just thought everyone knew that. Um, and so I'm sorry. I didn't mention mean to be presumptuous in that way. Shame so. on you. Or shame. Terrible. You should assume I'm stupid, okay? <laughs> no, nothing. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> but anywho, that was pretty much it for Easter eggs this week. So now we move on to ratings. This episode, we are rating on a scale of one to five hidden flash drives. Five being epic, right? I think is the word we used in the first podcast. And one iconic, being- iconic. 
iconic, iconic, and one being garbage. So on a rating scale of one to five mysterious hidden flash drives, Teresa will let you go first. I uh, liked this episode. Wasn't my favorite. I'm giving it three mysterious hidden flash drives. She gives three to every episode. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. They're, the, the pilot got four and a half. It's remember? true. And I believe I've given two, three and a half star or whatever. I can't remember which episodes. I can't remember. She did. She did give a three and a half to episode four. I did. I did. Haunted rings. I enga- haunted engagement rings. You're correct. That's Melissa. true. I just feel like you make me feel like I'm too generous. Cause like I gave this one four. <laughs> I, I thought it was a solid taste. episode. We just had a solid episode. Taste. We got to see Leah Lewis, you know, start to bring out her acting chops, which was That's nice. True. And we just, you, we got the beginnings of several things in this episode that I enjoy. So I give this one four mysterious flash drives. Maybe so because now, I don't know what the beginnings are for. Maybe that's why I can Spoiler alert. I don't spoil things. I don't know what you're talking about. All right, Melissa, you're up. Um, well, I ended up landing in between you guys. I put a three and a half. Okay. A good middle ground. The spectrum. Switzerland, I, if you will. What? What'd you say, Teresa? I said Switzerland, if you will. Pretty oh. much. Because it just, re-watching the episode, it wasn't as good as I remember, but it still wasn't a bad episode. It was solid. Not as good as, I still think that the best episode we've covered so far is the pilot. I agree. Um, which, you know, looking at IMDb ratings... If you look at the IMDb, the pilot is criminally underrated on IMDb. I'll just say that. But if you look at the ratings of the episodes for this season, starting in episode seven is when it starts to get really high ratings. Like episodes one through six were lower rated than episode seven through the finale, which checks, which checks. There, there are a Mm -hmm. lot of really good episodes coming up. And then okay. season two, it only gets better, I feel like, in season two. So oh my gosh, yes. They, it's they to look like, forward to. Well, yeah, and it's kind of like that with every show, right? They get their bearings. And then once they figure out what kind of show they are, they really are able to work with that and lean into it. So, anywho. All right. It's time for predictions. <laughs> Melissa's favorite part. Thanks, Melissa. I appreciate it. Um, so um, some of, I think these, the, this episode's predictions might be on the, uh, in between. I think that some of them are pretty, in my opinion, obvious <laughs> that I think don't really count as predictions. One of them being this mysterious party that connects everybody. Um, the, uh, the connects Lucy to Tiffany and both of them to Ryan. Um, uh, that was briefly mentioned, and I felt uh, again great about myself. And Karen, when Allie kind of confirmed, uh, uh, on Karen, yeah, uh, when Allie kind of confirmed it earlier in the podcast uh, <laughs> that the party was important. So thank you for that. I, um, I just said. Asterisk. I think at the end of the episode, it, it, it had a, I had like a, and I could be wrong, right? There was like Ace and Nick kind of told Laura to go home, like go away. Don't, don't, you're not involved any longer um, because we're going to protect you. Um, 
she will definitely come back. I know for a fact. I think in her coming back, it will be lots and lots of trouble. As I mentioned earlier in this episode, if you decide to keep it or not, I'm not sure. Uh, Laura's on my death watch list. Um, and this is why <laughs> I, all right. The moment so Laura's on your death like, watch. Yeah. Um, the moment someone is told to go home for your safety, they, they tend to die. Not that long after in horror films. Um, I mean, you're not so- wrong. <laughs> I have uh, George uh, will start to really open up and really kind of uh, blend in with the Drew crew. I feel like out of everybody, she's been the most hesitant to kind of really say these are her friends. Um, But I think starting in the the next episode, you'll see that she's like embraced the fact that now she has friends um, and that these are people she can trust and can count on and um, they will help her and she will help them. And it's like reciprocated. It's a mutual beneficial friendship. It's not just, um, you know, people who are lonely being lonely together um, at the claw, just not working really. <laughs> I don't know what they not do. Not actually doing restaurant things. Yeah. I don't know what they do there. Um, All right. And then my, my last prediction, again, I kind of mentioned it earlier in the episode is that Owen will become part of the Jew crew in some capacity. I don't know how official yet. Haven't gotten a vibe. But in my notes, it, it, I did put feels like death because Owen, <laughs> death watch. <laughs> feels like death. All right. So you've feels got two like people death on your death watch him. then. So Owen yeah. and Laura. And Laura. Um, okay. I feel like Laura's more immediate. I feel Laura like Owen still has some, serve, some story services to do. Laura, I think, I think she's done what she can i think she's I she's think on her way does. out yeah she's i think she's on her way <laughs> all right she's just like okay goodbye laura bye bye <laughs> nice knowing we'll you. Miss you you hot, except hot not really. tornado <laughs> i mean yes she is so that is it for predictions and death watch with Teresa this week And that's all we have as far as content for you. So I'm going to let everybody let us know where we can find them on social media. Melissa, our guest, would you like to go first? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Drew with no G because I'm just like (laughs) so cool like that. (laughs) Of course, her name is Drew. Nancy Drew. Are we surprised? (laughs) No, no, we're not. Go ahead, Teresa. At Ter, T-E-R-E underscore DV95 on Twitter. Uh, come my, I, I did have someone message me and it was like the coolest experience I've ever had in my entire life. My life is boring. Please do so. It gives me meaning. She really likes the messaging. I haven't had any <laughs> DMs yet. I have had some like mentions <gasps> and tags and stuff. Well, I mean, I've had DMs with like Melissa and like people that I already know, I haven't had any people I don't know DM me yet. So it, it was out of the blue and such a nice surprise. Please, everyone DM Allie so she I was can say, If I was gonna say, if, if you're out there and you're random and you don't know me, you can DM me too. It's, it's fine. <laughs> I like, and you can find me at on Twitter at slowburnmac again because I am a slow burn fan, and even when I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a slow burn fan because uh, I, I never learned my lesson. So 
that is <laughs> that is where you can find us on social media please 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 leave us a rating leave us uh, a review we got our first review on apple Podcasts this week Ooh. applause applause thank you to our reviewer they said that Teresa and I had an excellent sense of humor and I'm sorry you've been so <laughs> starved for actual humor that you think we're funny but <laughs> we'll take it <laughs> we will take it yes I don't know about y'all <laughs> wait I can't hear what you're saying you broke up say it again Oh, I was like, I think I'm hilarious. I don't know about y'all, but I'm funny. I mean, Teresa, Teresa is comedic legend. She, <laughs> she truly, truly is. But until next time, that's all we got for you. We'll see you later, Drudes. Bye.